What is up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Coworking Weekly Show. As always, I'm your host, Alex Hillman, and I don't know if you know this about me, but I absolutely love my city. The city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, the city I call home, the city where I created Indie Hall. I love this city. And I'm fascinated by cities all over the world and the fact that co-working spaces are increasingly becoming a part of what is considered the default landscape in a city. And it happens lots of different ways. Sometimes it happens from the grassroots. Folks like us in their creative communities wanting to grow them and improve them and bring use a co-working space to bring them together. Sometimes it comes from the other direction, maybe a government. And today's question, we're going to be getting into how I advise the folks on the government side that potentially troubled top-down approach to creating a co-working space and really get into how a city should think about their involvement in the co-working spaces that inhabit them. So without further ado, let's get into the question about how cities should get involved in their local co-working spaces. A listener asks, we get asked all the time to advise cities wanting to open spaces. How do you handle this? So I advise all different kinds of people who want to open co-working spaces for all different kinds of reasons. And my first question to all of them, regardless of whether they are a city, a for-profit organization, an agency, an individual, doesn't matter. My question is always why. And to get even more specific than that, what would success look like for you? You know, why you're doing it. When you ask the question, why are you opening a co-working space? You get all different kinds of answers. And, and truthfully, they tend to be categorically vague. Um, people want to spur innovation. People want to encourage entrepreneurship. People want to bolster their creative community. And those are all great aspirations, but they're not really reasons. And I think to get to the heart of a reason, you need to ask a question like, what would success look like? And that's a question you can ask yourself, but it's a question that I ask folks from cities all the time. And what's interesting is they often haven't really thought about it themselves. I think this is true across the board. The tricky part with cities, the, I think the trickiest part with cities is they often think that they've got the easy part licked because they usually have some physical space available or they've figured out a way to make it available. They think that that's the hard part and so they're either going to make that space available to the community or they're going to program it in some way or they're going to sublease it to an operator for a dollar, whatever it might be. And I've seen all different kinds of models and the tricky part with cities, with municipalities, uh, is a couple of things. One is the inherent politics. And the inherent politics means that that reason, whatever reason they give you up front, is likely to change, right? It's probably tied to some other initiative. So it once, even once you get the answer of what, like what would success look like, you also need to get a sense of what's the bigger picture? What's the landscape this is operating inside of? So I want to bring this into something super concrete so everyone has something to take away from this. One of my favorite consulting projects that I ever did uh, was with the help of my friends at Biz Dojo down in New Zealand. They organized a three-city tour where I came in and did some lectures and some workshops with the local co-working scenes, organized in three cities over the course of a week, did Christchurch, Wellington, and Auckland, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I don't do tours like that anymore uh, for a lot of reasons, but if there was any way to see and understand what's going on in the culture in New Zealand, I'm very 
very glad that I approached it in that way. Not just in that one, two, three punch, but starting with Christchurch. Because for some reason in my silly little head, when I learned that I was going to Christchurch, I did not put two and two together that Christchurch was the same Christchurch that had been rocked by terrible earthquakes just a few years prior. And I was literally landing in a city that was left to rubble. There were buildings that were still knocked over, were were basically leveled. And this is a city that is culturally putting itself back together. And so in some ways you get you see a city at its worst, but in another way you get to see a city at its best. You get to see citizens, government, uh private entities all working together to figure out how to rebuild their city. And I've said before on this show, and I've said it lots of times before, there's nothing like a common enemy to bring people together, right? Nothing like a common goal. And one of the best common goals I can imagine is literally rebuilding your city. Now, Christchurch had some very interesting challenges, including the fact that its buildings had been knocked down and some of the ones that were left were structurally unsound. So building shared spaces was a big part of the initiative. And there was some very interesting community building efforts going on around building temporary structures. There was literally pallet villages that were built out of like wooden pallets to be uh, to allow shop owners to come in and rebuild commerce. And along comes co-working. And they start seeing these sort of innovation centers, these hubs for people to come together for freelancers and people cross industry to work together and mobile workers and technology and something that's going to help bolster the economy and everybody gets excited. I think that's at the heart of whenever cities want to get involved in co-working is because they see economic growth being generated by them. The trouble is they don't understand why. They don't understand the patterns that bring people together that are, make it different from just a room with people that come together with their laptops and get work done. And the reality is that a lot of the times these initiatives, whether they're government funded or uh, in this case, I think it was pseudo government private, I think it was a bank uh, was funding this project where they had built this massive innovation center. And it was this sort of darling of Christchurch at the time. And I remember the lead of the project asked me in my Q&A after the workshop what I thought about the potential for the impact of that project. And I said, do you want the real answer or do you want the answer that you want to hear? And he said, well, of course I want the real answer. And I said, I know that you think that you've built a coral reef of innovation and economic opportunity in a city that very, very badly needs it. And you've invested a lot of resources in it and your heart could not be in the more correct place. However, you know how sometimes to build a coral reef, they first sink a ship or an airplane that's been decommissioned to sort of give the coral something to build the reef on top of? You think you've built the coral reef when in fact you've built the ship. And in order for this to be a success, you need to be ready to sink it. And as you can imagine, they were not super thrilled with my answer, but I did get some genuine nods of agreement from other people in the room. And I think that story illustrates the problem with large Uh, publicly funded or even privately funded innovation centers when governments want to get involved and there are politics involved there are people there is always going to be a tension between the citizens the people who actually the, the coral polyps in this metaphor the people who would make this place a place worth being and the providers of the infrastructure and the worst thing that can happen and i've seen this time and again is when there's a changing of the guard There's a new election, new people come through, and resources get shifted around. Or in the worst of cases, politicians will undo their predecessor's work just to make a statement. And I care tremendously about the building for the long term. 
And the twist of irony here is that I think governments in some cases are best positioned to build things for the long term because they have to do things really slowly. The trouble is, is they also have limited term lengths in which they're in control. So the question, back to the question, how do I handle cities wanting to open co-working spaces? Well, I often try and first deduce what their reason, what's their goal. And I make it my goal to help them reach the goal. In some cases, them reaching the goal may include me talking them out of building a co-working space of their own, but instead getting involved in the co-working ecosystem that already exists, finding out who the players are and supporting them. Some of the best relationships we have with our local city government are simply because somebody from city government looked at what we did, came to one of our events, or made a public statement that said, what Indy Hall does for the city of Philadelphia is good, more like this, please. That's obviously good for us, and it's good for them to position themselves next to us and reminding local governments that sometimes it's not their job to do, but simply to stand next to something good and say, this is good, more of this, please, to the other citizens, to their constituents, whoever it may be. The other role of government, though, in, in building co-working spaces and trying to understand why is I try and use it as an opportunity to remind folks in government that maybe the most value that they can create and get simultaneously from co-working is to they themselves go work in co-working spaces rather than try and create them from on high. So if you work for a government and you're trying to create a co-working space without having ever actually worked in co-working spaces yourself, start there. Make it easier for your teams, for your employees, for your government leadership to get outside of City Hall and go work alongside the citizens. Go work in co-working spaces. Go work in libraries. Go work where those people that can work from anywhere are. And sometimes that means changing some of your internal policies. We recently had a huge backlash when our uh, our changing of the guard, uh, there was new leadership in the technology department at City Hall, and they cracked down on employees working remotely. They wanted all their employees to work on site, not for any particular reason other than old guard thinking. You can flip that around and say, well, why do our employees need to come physically here? What if we gesture a little bit of trust to say, hey, not only would we let you choose where you work from, i.e. you don't have to come to our office every day, but you could choose to work alongside some of the creative people out there in the world who, by the way, are your neighbors. They're your peers. This is a great way to feel the pulse of what's going on in your city from the citizens that maybe are most motivated to make it better. It's not uncommon for co-working spaces to be full of not just professionals, not just these potential builders of economic value, but of people who want to see their cities be better. So seeing the city through their eyes is best done by literally sitting next to them. So get down there, get next to them, work even a half a day can make a huge impact in building trust and understanding where people are coming from. And if you can do that, you might realize that the best thing that government can do in relation to a co-working space is start operating more like a co-working space. Start looking at how people work together within city government and be more collaborative. Governments, governments are notoriously bureaucratic. The point being that governments starting to operate more like the people who work in co-working spaces can only be better for the people that work in government make it easier for governments to attract and retain employees, but also make it easier for governments to do better work for their citizens. So thinking that a co-working space is going to either bolster your creative economy or your innovative economy by the government creating a co-working space is ultimately most likely a lost cause. You're much better off standing next to and supporting the people who are doing that great work. And it can be as simple as saying, this is good, more like this, please. And then don't forget to turn it around. 
and remind yourself and remind your fellow leaders and remind your fellow department heads and whatever it might be that you're in this together, right? Governments work because people work together and politics often make that really difficult. But I would love to be hearing more from government leaders who look at their local co-working spaces as a potential place to learn better ways to achieve goals together. We had a great example of that at the People at Work Summit back in April with uh, former city manager Rich Negrin who came, spoke to us about some of the things that he learned while managing the city. Uh, he worked, reported directly for the mayor of Philadelphia, and he was the manage, managing director for the fifth largest city in the United States of America, and he was learning lessons from Indy Hall about how to be more collaborative within his ecosystem, how to be more innovative within his ecosystem. And if you're interested in that, you should go check out peopleatworksummit.com and sign up for our newsletter where we can send you some of the uh, where we can actually send you a video transcript and some of the takeaways from Rich's talk because they're really, really tremendous. A lot learned there in both directions. So I think that's the key and a great note to end this episode on the relationship between the local citizens, the business ecosystem, and the government is key to success. The trick is, is not viewing each other as service providers, not viewing each other as a vending machine where if I build a co-working space and I stick in a bunch of quarters, innovation will come out the bottom. And for co-working spaces, not to view their government as I pay my taxes, now give me some resources to make my co-working space more successful. I don't think either of those things are sustainable. I think that they need to be truly working in tandem where they're creating things that they could not create apart from each other. That's the way co-working works. Why would it be any different? 